I think the challenge is what we've faced all our lives. We do not look like the face of American business. You know, we don't. That's Denise Baradas. She and her family are creating an innovative company that could help transform agriculture in their home state. I'm Chris Farrell. And I'm Twyla Dang. And this is Small Change, Money Stories from the Neighborhood. We're meeting with Denise and her daughter, Danny Paradis, at their home on the Boys Fort Reservation in northern Minnesota. They are members of the Boys Fort Band of Chippewa. We're looking out their picture window. So we are sitting on uh, the Lake Vermilion Reservation, which is District 2 of the Boys Fort Band of Chippewa. And the name for our lake is Onamani Zagiagan. Um, which actually means Lake of the Sunset Glow. The sunsets around here are spectacular. That's beautiful. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah. And so sometimes when I do like a traditional Ojibwe introduction, I'll I'll, I'll use that and just say Lake of the Sunset Glow, also known as Lake Vermilion. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And that's the beauty of our language too. Like there's, you know, a lot of nuances that we don't have in English. Um, Not, I am by no means an expert. Um, I'm just a baby in the language. So Denise, along with her sister Tracy and her daughters Danny and Nicole, are co-founders of Harvest Nation. Living on the East Coast, Denise had been researching ideas for growing healthy food with the rising risk of global climate change. She left behind her career as an architect and moved back to the reservation when her dad got sick. And then um, my dad got sick and I moved home. And I thought, well, if this is coming, we have to start growing and northern Minnesota, we tower, our hometown set the continental U.S. record of minus 60 below zero, even without the um, wind chill. Wind chill came after that. And so um, we can't, we can't, a lot of the, the types of methods people used at the time, 12 years ago, to grow indoors was mainly hydroponics. Or um, you'd have horticulture gardens, you know, indoor horticulture gardens. But all of them aren't practical for up here. So I started doing research and research and research and research. And we settled on aeroponics. And aeroponics is plants being grown with their roots misted with the nutrient solutions and with artificial lighting. And so, but besides looking into systems, I also started looking into crops. And the reason why the crops are important is because we have to change how we eat. I mean, the big food has failed us dramatically, and especially Native Americans. The we have, uh, you know, we have pandemics in diabetes, heart disease, and autoimmune diseases. And the Native American population is double that of the rest of the country. And my little reservation is double that of the tribes in Minnesota. So, Danny, how did you get involved in this? project. 
So a few years ago, um, I mean, my mom had been talking about Harvest Nation. Um, it wasn't called that then, but this concept for indoor aeroponic farm for a few years. Um, and then at some point, and I don't remember the magical story or that magic moment when you invited me in to be um, an actual team member, um, but it was maybe early 2017. Um I was working at uh, the Boys Fort Housing Department, which is a tribal housing uh, low-income program. And I had um, moved in here with my mom and my grandma, who had dementia, um, to help um, take care of her. And then I had more time to take Harvest Nation a little bit more seriously and get my my paws in the work as uh, its president. And just really, I'm just sitting here marveling in the brilliance of my mom as she goes through these stories. And I've I've you know heard the the story time and again. And and just I'm just trying to keep up with her <laughs> on a day to day basis. Denise is clearly creative, and Danny is passionate about the potential of Harvest Nation. They're your classic bootstrapping entrepreneurs, aren't they? But they have a few extra hurdles that make realizing their business dream even more difficult. You know, it's funny, living in a rural area, we were talking about, um, you know, what what it's like to live up here, and it can be kind of hard. And one of the hardest things um, I find here is that um, it takes like 10 to 20 years, it seems like, for a good idea maybe to take off up here. Um, uh, we have a lot of room for... You know, progress in many different arenas, energy being one, and of course, food. And so um, I just think, you know, this has so much potential to do so much good, not just for, you know, fresh, fresh, healthy food access that's affordable, but um, really to kind of change the mindset of other folks around here that we can be. Um, and I guess my passion for this work is producers and consumers of our own cycles. Because as, um, like being from an indigenous community, I think that's where our power was. Um, but how that was cut off with the reservation system, um, our traditional trade routes were disrupted, um, all but actually all but destroyed. Um, mm-hmm. And so then we became, you know, came to know this term poverty. And I hate the poverty narrative, um, but how that was, you know, brought here um, just mm-hmm. because our, again, our capacity to be producers and consumers. Um, beautiful thing of lo- local food movement and food sovereignty is like the system is immediately accountable to the people it serves. But, uh, you know, our potential is, you know, we can change change the mindset as we're doing the work um, and showing that it is viable to, one, you know, have fresh, healthy food and two, have a great business model that cares about people. What an incredible family business. So, in addition to Denise, an MIT graduate and architect, and Danny, a serial entrepreneur, there's Nicole, Danny's sister, and Denise's daughter. My daughter, Nicole, she... um Graduated from U Chicago, and she has a degree in um, a master of public policy, which was um, microeconomics based. In undergrad, she did not do calculus, and so she needed it for this program. So she taught herself calculus in two weeks, (laughs) 
And and then she's thrown in with these students. One of them was had two degrees in engineering, an undergrad degree and a grad degree from Columbia. That was her best friend. And so she had to go into this program where all these people are had math backgrounds. And she goes, well, they might be smarter than me, but they can't outwork me. <laughs> and when she was... When she graduated, she came back to the reservation, and they hired her to start a credit union. She had no financial background, and she did all the the work by herself. She was a staff of one, and in three years, she wrote a business plan that was probably 500 pages thick, and they were the only credit union um, that got a credit a charter in 2014 in the whole country. And there were other credit unions, but they were part of the existings, and they were the first brand new one. And then um, they, then she worked as a CEO for that for a couple of years. Then she went to the Federal Reserve Bank, and now she's working for the Indian Collective, which is a nonprofit that is helping fund. Um, tribal businesses and other Indian entrepreneurs. And her boss said, I'd fund your mom in a minute if there wasn't a conflict of interest. And then there's Tracy, Denise's sister. My sister, Tracy. Yes. Because um, when you go away to college or to school, away from your culture, and then when you come back, you have um, almost a crisis of soul. And in to try to reconcile that with your culture, and I remember when my sister was going to college, she was coming home every weekend, and and she didn't want to go back, and and so anyway, um, she's I think a semester short of a business degree, and she just couldn't go back anymore. She her she chose specifically she she said i choose being native and anishinaabe over you know the other culture this is me first and so she's always been on the reservation and she is a community organizer how many years has she put on the powwow a lot. <laughs> Very many. I don't 20, even know how many. 30 years, you know, and and um, and everything she does is community-based. And so um, she, and she's a natural leader, she knows how to motivate people, and she knows how to get things done and have meetings and make everyone feel included, and yet very, very attention to detail to get things moving. And so she's going to be our farm manager in charge of um, of um, everyone, all the workers. This is a really impressive group of women. On top of building a company, they are all working at jobs outside of Harvest Nation. Most notably, Denise is a full-time steel worker on the Iron Range in northern Minnesota. You're working at a mine? Oh, yeah. When I came back from New York... Um, they don't do concrete and steel up here on the range, what I was used to designing for. And so, um, plus, um, the, um, 
salary I had couldn't be matched up here, even if I was going to do architecture. One of the architects um, I met up here for our project, and he will um, do our project and remodel the business wherever we get located. So it's for our our um, farm. I said, yeah, I didn't ask you for a job. I said, because you couldn't afford me. He goes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and But the mines paid more than what I made in New York City. And what I like is I've been on a four-on, four-off schedule. So I get technically a five-day weekend, two of them a month, and a three-and-a-half-day weekend um, a month. So that gives me a lot of chunks a time to be able to do this and i don't they don't pay for my brain there and they don't want my brain there so what do you do there (laughs) i'm um a steel worker and i i'm a furnace attendant so so that's um it's been tough on my body though you know it's really it's a lot of hard physical labor but the good thing is when i leave there i don't think about it when i come home you know so i have all this time to um to to use my brain for what i want to use my brain for we'll be back with more small change Small Change is supported by Thrivent through generous support from the Thrivent Foundation. Thrivent is driven by a higher purpose to help people achieve financial clarity and to make the most of all they've been given. Small Change is also supported in part by the McKnight Foundation, which works to advance a more just, creative, and abundant future where people and planet thrive. Learn more at McKnight.org. Welcome back to Small Change. Harvest Nation has gotten a lot of support from various organizations in the state, mostly nonprofits. These groups offer information and context. And as you know, information is great, but it's not money. And when it comes to getting access to angel investors or venture capital, being indigenous women living in northern Minnesota on a reservation is a barrier. I mean, I'll be perfectly candid. In any other situation, if three white men showed up and said they were self-taught in all these skill sets um, and had a business plan and were ready to go and put the plan in front of people, they'd be sitting on millions of dollars right now. What are, what are some of the challenges that you're genuinely facing um, with what you're, being, what you're trying to do? I think the challenge is what we've faced all our lives. We do not look like the face of American business. You know, we don't. Um, and as women, um, I always felt my body type betrayed my mind <laughs> because um, I've always been um, large-chested. <laughs> and that does not look like somebody who goes to MIT, you know, or has that type of brain, you know. So, um, and the way we're brought up, too, and is to be, to not be, um, well, you know, what is, bougie, it would be the term. Right, exactly. (laughs) And, you know, so you're brought up to be, you know, to meet people on the same level. I mean, it's a very native trait to be able to re- to relate to, you know, people and not to be prideful and not to be um, 
um, one-upsmanship. For example, Harvest Nation competed in the Minnesota Cup, a leading competition for aspiring entrepreneurs in the state. The company was recognized as a semifinalist one year and a finalist the next year. The first time we went to the um, award ceremony at um, MinCup, we did not have the business suits <laughs> and we didn't have the, the look. You were over at the other one, but I was there and I remember these great people trying to introduce me to people and these other people looking at me like, nope, not a business person and walk off. They may not look like your average business people, but they sure know their stuff. And they each have deep skill sets that complement each other. I was laughing with Danny for this project. I said, every life skill I've ever had, I, I'm using in this. You know, um, art, I designed our logo. <laughs> and um, um, my CAD, I do all the um, CAD design for our our systems for not the technical, like not the engineering, but for how our uh, crops are laid out, how our, um, you know, what are the exact dimensions of our system. And um, and then what's great is Danny has complementary skills that I don't have. <laughs> so, you know, so we work really well together. Like Danny, um, if we... Most producers out there say, I produce so many bushels or something or so many pounds or tons. And I said, how do we figure this out to to be able to think of what we could produce? And so we took my drawings and Danny came up with a, um, a spreadsheet where we could actually figure out a schedule and how much we'll produce so that we could make financial projections. And I was amazed at her spreadsheets because it was something I wouldn't know how to think that way. Quick question. Was this always designed to be a family business or did it just sort of accidentally and organically become you support each other like you always do and now you're doing this together? Yes, I would say it just evolved that way. And there it's for us you in order for this to have taken place you need so many skill sets <laughs> we found them within our family so I, I think that trust too um mm-hmm. so you know in in business and with money you know all sorts of you know things can go wrong um you know we are two sets of sisters mind you, and mother and daughter. So we call it, we're Bear Clan, so we call it Bear Clan negotiating at times when we hammer out details. Um, But beyond all that, I trust each one of them with my life, and I I never have to question their um, integrity with with me because, you know, whatever happens with Harvest Nation, we're still family um, and just, you know, we we know each other so intimately um, and have you know, have had our survival rooted in each other, especially as, you know, indigenous women. The trust they have in each other is a reflection of the strong community they belong to. The business provides another way to give back now and in the future. And I'm curious, what about the future generations? So when you're thinking about Harvest Nation and as family, you're creating this. And what what are some of your thoughts about the future? There are so many... um, places this can branch off 
<laughs> with a spin-off businesses for the family. If we do, if we grow cacao, then we're going to have a boutique chocolate um, business for one of the boys. <laughs> or, you know, so, I mean, everything we have has the potential to have another business spin-off from it. But also, the reason why we are mainly doing this is to um, to help Indian country. And so I think that this could go to all tribes in the country. But really, we were in danger, too, of being, oh, this is only for tribes? No, it's actually a system that will work anywhere for anyone who wants to have local great crops. Denise and Danny are building an innovative business grounded in their community, the Boys Fort Band of Chippewa. Harvest Nation represents an opportunity to reach into the future by drawing on their history. Even their logo is a reflection of their communities and their families' past. Describe to us your logo and what what mm-hmm. the describe what it is and what the logo symbolizes. Mm-hmm. Oh, actually, we had a hard t- time designing it because that's actually the design I did for um, a wallet for my mom. So it says Harvest Nation, farming locally, caring globally. Mm-hmm. And then you have different color leaves? Yes. Um, but um, we have primary colors, red, yellow, blue, dark blue. And the leaves are in dark green and light green. And where did you learn those particular flowers, Mama? Oh, um, well, these flower. Um, most of my beadwork um, came from my grandmother. My grandmother was famed for her beadwork, and she knew how to pick colors and how to get things to match. And um, what was funny was she was right-handed, but her mother was left-handed. So she was taught how to do beadwork left-handed. And so I'm left-handed, so she could teach me very easily. And... um, a lot of the flowers you will see in, in um, beadwork are fam- family flowers. And in fact, like not in this, not in our logo, but in some of our other beadwork, there's round berries, which are known to be part of Boys Fort's um, type of um, beadwork they did. And then in beadwork, you never do anything perfect. You always have one. Um, purposeful intention, intentional error in what you do. And that's to show you're not perfect. And so there's one in there, but I won't show you. (laughs) (laughs) Denise is right. No one is perfect. Too often in entrepreneurship, there is a search for the perfect business, the perfect investment, the perfect product. And usually that search for perfection is limited to pockets of the country where access to opportunities are reserved for white men with money and connections. And Twyla, what do we lose when companies like Harvest Nation are overlooked and underfunded? A lot. Too many good innovative ideas aren't explored because someone doesn't live in the right area or look like an entrepreneur. This has gone on for far too long. And it needs to change. Fast. Thanks for listening. 
This podcast is a production of Minnesota Public Radio and American Public Media. Small change would not have been possible without the work of many people, including Executive Producer Stephanie Curtis, Producers Chris Farrell, Twyla Dang, and Veronica Rodriguez, Original Music by Dexter Wolf, and special thanks to our NPR intern, Arsha Hussein. You can find other small change episodes and find resources for more information about money by going to our website, smallchangestories.org. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Pinterest. A special thank you to the Thriven Foundation and the McKnight Foundation for their generous support.